What do you think of when you hear the word passion? I discovered this week that passion is all over the internet. If you Google the word passion, you can easily find all kinds of magazines and articles and books with titles like these, and maybe you can relate to some of these titles. A passion for alligators, a passion for artichokes, a passion for birds, a passion for chocolate, a passion for fashion, a passion for flying, a passion for gardening, a passion for golf, a passion for hang gliding, a passion for hunting, a passion for jazz, and other books with these titles, a passion for mushrooms, a passion for needlepoint, a passion for pizza, a passion for ponies, a passion for potatoes, a passion for shoes, and the list goes on and on. Now, if you watch a sporting event, you will often see people expressing their passion for their favorite team or their favorite player. And what do you call a person like that? It's a three-letter word that starts with the letter F. That's a fan. Conversely, in our culture, what word is used to describe somebody who is expressing a passion for God, a passion for worship and serving and loving God? It's another word, starts with the letter F, has seven letters. What is that word? Fanatic. One time, Jesus was asked a very important question. It had to do with the most important thing in life, the most important thing that God wants us to pursue with passion. A Jewish lawyer came up to Jesus and said, what is God's greatest commandment? Do you remember what Jesus said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. Last Sunday, we had a group of kids singing. It's our kids' choir. It's called Joy Song. And they were singing a song with those lyrics. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and soul. And I was sitting right here in the front row, and I was watching their faces. And they were so enthusiastic. They were filled with passion. And I thought, Lord, that's how you want us to live. You want us to live in such a way that we are really engaged so that we are fully alive. But here's the reality. So many people live passionless lives. Henry David Thoreau wrote a book called Civil Disobedience. And there's a very well-known quote from that book where he says this, the mass of men, and I would add women, lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. Church, I will tell you this. God does not want us to go to the grave with his song still in us. He wants us to let that song out. In fact, Jesus said this about his mission and coming to our world. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it, how? To the full. One translation says, an abundant life, the best life there is. Now look at this statement on your outline. The mission of Jesus Christ is to give us the life God created us to live. It is a life of passion and purpose. And consider this, passionate people are the ones who change the world. Isn't that true? The people who overcome obstacles, the people who refuse to quit, the people who attempt and accomplish great things for God. And so the question is this, how can we do that? How can we become fully alive? And let me say this, there are many people when they first decide that they're gonna follow Jesus, they are on fire. I mean, they were so excited and enthusiastic about loving God and serving God and worshiping God, but then something happens. That passion begins to fade. Now, why is that? 
Well, sometimes it's just because they get distracted by other things, other people, other priorities. Sometimes it's just the pace of their life. And what happens is, while they were once enthusiastic, now they're just enduring life. They're just trying to get from one, one day to the next. And the Bible tells us that we should be careful about losing our passion for God. In fact, Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lacking in zeal, another word for passion, but keep your spiritual fervor, keep your spiritual intensity, keep your spiritual enthusiasm. And what's the key word? Keep, because you can lose it. And the reality is when there's no spark, when there's no vision, when there's no faith, when there's no taking a risk for the kingdom of God, it affects us in profound ways. It affects our friendships. It affects our marriages. It affects our emotions. It even can affect our health. But here's the good news. If you lose your passion, you can regain it. Church, we're going to talk this morning about a very important topic. And, and here's the reality for, for every single person. You know, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or maybe today you've never made that decision, but here's the reality for each one of us. There is the life that we have right here and right now. Isn't that true? There's a certain way your life is, a certain way you are. And then there is this life that God wants you to have, this life that God created you to have, and there is a gap between the two, isn't there? Now, sometimes there's a huge gap, sometimes it's a little smaller, but what does God want? I'm convinced he wants us to close the gap. He wants us to learn how to become more and more fully alive because that's the kind of life that he created us to live. So the question is, how can you do that? And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to walk us through that. And there are seven ideas that I want to share with you this morning, one for every day of the week. Now, here's what I encourage you to do. Every Sunday, there's a Bible study outline. If you flip it over, there's a devotional guide. What you can do each day this week is walk through these ideas to prepare for Easter. Because, church, I want us to be able to celebrate Easter like never before, to celebrate with, with passion and with purpose. So let's dive in. What is the first way that we can become more fully alive? And here's the answer, know God. Know God. Now, how many of you would say that, that God doesn't want you to brag? What do you think? Would you agree with that statement? Generally speaking, God doesn't want you to brag? Did you know that there's a verse in the Old Testament where God encourages us to brag about a very specific thing? And I memorized this verse a number of years ago. It's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And this is what the scripture says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast of his strength. And let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And this is what Jesus said before he went to the cross. He said, now this is eternal life. This is a kind of life that God wants you to have. This starts right now. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, God made us so that we could know him. And the better you know God, the more fully alive you will be. And that's why I'm always encouraging you to read the book because in the book, God reveals his heart to us. He reveals his mind to us. He reveals our purpose. And here's the thing. These stories were written a really long time ago, thousands of years ago. But has God changed? No. God reveals how he feels about you in this book. 
And it's the same way that he felt about people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He loves you. He wants you to understand his purpose so that you can live with passion, so that you can be more fully alive. So here's what I want you to do. Take a look at your outline. There's a scale there under each one of these, these topics, a scale of one to 10. One is really low, 10 is really high. How strong is your desire this morning to know God? Now, you may not be able to identify a number right now, but I encourage you to think about this during the week. How strong is your desire to know God? And one of the ways you can gauge that is, well, how much desire do you have to read about God in this book and to have him reveal his heart and his mind? Here's the second thing, another way that we can become fully alive, love God. Now, here's the verse I mentioned earlier. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, certainly God made us to know him, but what is the purpose of knowing him? It is to love him. And the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. Now, every Sunday morning, we have this opportunity for us to express our love to God. And it starts with the letter W. What's it called? What do we do here every Sunday? We worship. And worship is simply expressing our love to God. And God says this, I want you to love me with all of your mind. How do we do that? By knowing God, by giving God our our full and undivided attention. God says, I want you to love me with all your heart. How do we do that? By giving God our affection, the affection of our heart. God says, love me with all your strength. How do you do that? By using your gifts and abilities to serve God, not just here on Sunday morning, but throughout the week. Now, here's a really important question. Who or what do you worship? Who or what do you worship? Now, a lot of people, especially if you talk to a group of people who come to church on a regular basis, they would say, well, that's a no-brainer. I worship God. God's at the center of my life. He is my first priority. But church, here is the reality. Here's how you can tell who or what you really worship. Whatever you give your primary affection, attention, and abilities to is what you worship. And here's the truth. There are so many things that compete with God for our primary attention, affection, and abilities. And the Bible calls them idols. And there are all kinds of idols that we can have. For example, some people believe that, that comfort is the most important priority in their lives. I just want a comfortable life. Comfort can become an idol. There are people who say, you know, I just want to be secure. And that's more important to them than anything else. That can become an idol because it takes God's rightful place. There, there's all kinds of things that can push God aside. It could be the desire for, for influence, for, for money, for sex. Your house can be an idol. Your spouse, your kids. Sometimes people have a career that's more important to them than anything else. Maybe it's their business. Maybe it's just yourself. Now, why is that so important? Because anything that pushes God to the side will prevent you from living the life that God created you to live. So take a look at your outline this morning. On a scale of 1 to 10, how strong is your love for God today? How strong is your love for God today? And why is that important? Because it's real simple. The more you love God, the more fully alive you're going to be. Now that brings us to another way to become fully alive. Number three, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. I want to show you a couple of verses, and these were written by John, Jesus' best friend. 
And John wrote this biography of Jesus. There are four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John actually tells us the purpose for writing about Jesus. He says this, but these are written, these stories about Jesus, what he said, what he did, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and notice the connection here, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. Faith in Jesus brings us into relationship with him. Jesus said this one time, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Why is it necessary for us to be born spiritually? Well, because we come into this world physically alive and spiritually dead. The Bible is very clear about this. And unless God creates faith in our heart, we're not able to respond to the gospel and trust Jesus and follow him. A few weeks ago, I was sharing one of my, my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a story about Peter, and it's a time where he actually tries to walk on water. Now, some of you recall that story. There's a big storm. They see Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, call me, and I'll come and walk to you on the water. And so Jesus will come on, Peter. Now, let me ask you this. When Peter first got out of the boat, and he took those first few steps, how, how alive do you think he felt? Yeah, dynamite. He was exhilarated. He couldn't believe that he was actually doing this. And if even for a few moments, Peter was probably more alive than he'd ever been in his entire life. Why? Because he was willing to take a step of faith, daring faith in response to God's call. This morning, I was here early and I went outside to look at our building project, which is really coming along so well. And I was walking through the the building and looking at the walls and, and just with eyes of faith and you know, looking at the classrooms where the little kids are going to be and the, the teens and the adults and thinking to myself, you know, what, what's going to happen in this place is going to change people's lives forever and it's possible, church, because we were willing to step out in faith and answer God's call to create more space for ministry. And as I stood there this morning, as I was just looking around and praying, you know how I felt? I felt alive. And here's the reality. Anytime you step out of the boat, so to speak, and you hear God calling you to do something and you try to do it, it makes you feel alive. And many of you know that from, from experience. And some of you this morning are sensing God's call to do something with your life. It could be something with your finances, something with your business, something with your future. And here's the reality. If it's God calling you to do it and you step out in faith, you will become more fully alive. So look at your outline again. When it comes to faith, faith that is willing to attempt great things in response to God's call, what number would you give yourself today? Now, here's another way to be fully alive. Number four, sacrifice your selfishness. These are the words of Jesus. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it. I was talking with some people this week about mission trips, and I've been on a lot of mission trips uh, over the course of my life, and one of the things that, that I've noticed, um, without exception, is that when people go on mission trip, they get really excited. I've had people tell me, I have never felt this alive in my entire life. Now, why is that? Well, because typically for an entire week, you get to sacrifice your selfishness and devote your time and energy and talent to meeting the needs of other people. 
Now, who told us that this is the best way to live? Yeah, and when we actually do it, we discover, hey, Jesus was right. But church, here's, here's the deal. Do you realize that if you're a, a follower of Jesus, you're on a mission trip every day of your life? You don't have to just go to another part of the world or another part of our community. This is a way of life to sacrifice your selfishness. Now, I'd like to talk about marriage for just a moment. For those of you who are married, know somebody married, have ever thought about getting married, because here's the reality. Well, let me, let me do it this way. How many of you would say, if you're married, that you want your marriage to be fully alive? Guys, you better put your hands up or you're gonna be in serious trouble. Okay, I, we all probably would say that, right? I'd like for my marriage to be more fully alive. Well, how is that possible? Here's the answer. When a man and a woman are willing to sacrifice their selfishness. In fact, guys, can I talk to the guys for just a minute? Ladies, you can listen in on a conversation. You ready, guys? I really want to encourage you to take a Bible verse, write it on a three-by-five card, and commit it to memory. Are you ready? Guys, let me see those pins out. It's really, it's, it's Ephesians 5.25. And if you will put this verse into practice, it will revolutionize your marriage. There's no doubt about it. And this is what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Guys, what does that mean for us? Well, if we're going to love our wives the way that Jesus loves the church, we have to sacrifice our selfishness. In fact, if we're going to love our wives the way that Jesus loves the church, we have to love our wives to the point, listen carefully, to the point of extreme sacrifice. Because that's how Jesus loves his bride. Now, ladies, I'll have something to say to you in another message, but not today. But here's, guys are going, oh, great. But here's, here's the deal, really. If, if you really take this to heart and you are trying with God's help and by God's grace to live an unselfish life with your spouse, it will make your marriage more fully alive. And that's true of relationships in general. And so take a look at your outline when it comes to sacrificing your selfishness. How are you doing on a scale of one to 10? And that brings us to another way to become fully alive. Number five, depend on Jesus. Depend on Jesus. Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do how much? How much? Nothing, not a zippo. You can't do a single thing. Now, I was reflecting on this verse during the week and I wanted to communicate something to you this morning about this verse. And so here's how I thought I could best do that. I have an electric drill with me this morning. And the key word is electric. So if I want my electric drill to work, what do I need? Yes, I need electricity. Now if I want electricity, what do I have to do with this cord? I've got to plug it into a power source. And I have, actually have a power source right here on the stage. So let me plug my drill in. And it's pretty amazing because all I have to do now is squeeze the trigger on my drill and theoretically it should do some work, right? Because it's connected to a power source. Now what happens if I 
disconnect my drill, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. What did Jesus say? Think carefully about what he said. Apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. Do we really believe that? Often we don't. Because here's how we think. Well, Jesus, I get it. Okay, this is kind of a, you know, a metaphor. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because truth is, Lord, that apart from you, I can do something, right? I've got some intelligence. I've got some gifts. It might not be as good as what I could do with you. It might be not as much. But, Lord, I can do something. And Jesus goes, no, you can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And why is that? Because the source of spiritual life to honor and please God does not come from us, does it? Who does it come from? Who does it come from? It comes from Jesus. It comes from the Lord. It's when our life is connected to Jesus that we are fully alive. And the Apostle Paul said this. This is such a powerful verse. He says this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now today's Palm Sunday, and as I told you, I went outside this morning and cut a palm to bring with me. And I found this one on the ground. Now, how would you characterize this palm frond? What would you say? It is dead. It's done. How would you characterize this palm front? No, it's not. Well, partially alive. But it's dying, isn't it? I mean, you can already see it. It's getting brown right around the edges here. If I wanted to find a palm front that was fully alive, where would I have to go? To the palm tree. Because it's connected to the source of life. Christian, if you want to be fully alive, you've got to be connected to the source of your life. And that source is Jesus Christ. Now think about this, because on your outline it says scale of one to 10, okay, how much am I depending on Jesus? Let me give you a way to answer that question, and it's simply this. Look at your prayer life. Look at your prayer life, because here's the reality. The degree to which you pray is the degree to which you are depending on Christ and depending on God. I mean, really, is prayer a first priority or a last resort? And realize this, it is prayer that ushers us into a relationship with Jesus. Because if you're a Christian this morning, it's because you talked to God. You said to God, God, hey, I, I get it, I'm a sinner. I've broken your, your law, and, and I understand that, that because you're holy and just, you have to punish every sin I've ever committed, and that just punishment is a dying to be separated from you forever. And I don't want that, God. I want a new life. And you prayed and you said, God, I believe that, that Jesus is your son that he came to this world and lived the life I couldn't live and he died on a cross and you put my sin on Jesus and punished him in my place and he rose from the dead. And it is that honest prayer, God, I want to follow Jesus. Help me do that. That honest prayer that begins the adventure of following Jesus. But does it end there? Not at all. If you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, what do you have to do? You keep on praying. You keep on depending on Jesus to give you the spiritual life you need to become the person God made you to be. That brings us to another way to be fully alive. Connect with other Christians. Connect with other Christians. Now, the Bible talks about the church in these terms. The church is a body where Jesus is the head and individual Christians are part of that body. And the Apostle Paul says this, but in fact... 
God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now notice this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But there are Christians, there are Christians who try to live as if this were not true. I was talking to a, a young man who told me, he said, you know, I, I don't go to church on Sunday mornings anymore. I said, really, why not? He said, well, I found a, a different way to go to church. He said, I just go online and watch a church service. I've been doing it for months now. And I said, why are you not going to church on Sunday morning to personally be with other Christians? And here was his answer. It was very honest. It's more convenient. And I thought, well, yeah. Of course it's more convenient. But since when is following Jesus and living the life that he called us to live a matter of convenience? It's a matter of commitment. And church, here's why that is so important. It is because of your connection to other Christians, the life of Jesus Christ flows into you. Now let me give you an example of that. Um, after the service, We've been encouraging people who have a prayer need to go to the cross and we have people in our church who will pray with you and pray for you. And so many of you I know have experienced this when someone has taken the time to pray with you and for you. You, you sense this comfort. You sense this peace. Do you know where that's coming from? It's coming from the Holy Spirit that's in another believer. And the life of Christ is connecting us together. And that's a two-way street. Because you're not just to be on the receiving end of that, but on the giving end as well. And here's what I want you to realize. God wants you to be connected to other Christians in his family because that will make you more fully alive. But listen, you don't have to wait for a church program to do that. Do you realize that? You can find somebody here on Sunday morning, strike up a conversation, say, hey, you want to get a cup of coffee? You want to come over to my house for dinner? You want to go to a sporting event? You want to just hang out? We can do that. And when we do, it makes us what? More fully alive. So how are you doing this morning when it comes to your connection with other believers? How would you rate yourself? Well, here's the final way to become more fully alive. Number seven, pursue Christ's mission. Pursue Christ's mission. The Apostle Paul, the word apostle means one sent. Paul was sent by Jesus on a mission. That mission was to communicate the gospel. He talks about that in a very specific way in this passage in the book of Acts. And this is what he says. This is from a translation of the Bible called The Message by Eugene Peterson. Paul says, but there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnic. For the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. And Paul goes on and he says this, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started, the job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. Paul's talking about the good news of God's grace. And here's what's so important for us to realize. Paul was a man on a mission he was a man who was experiencing the life of Jesus Christ flowing through him because he was pursuing that mission. And that can be true for us as well. Max Lucado, 
told a story that illustrates this in a very powerful way. The story goes like this. I have everything I need for joy, Robert Reed said. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself, he can't feed himself, he can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. His shirts are held together by strips of Velcro. His speech drags like a worn-out audio cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, and going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilene Christian University from where he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at St. Louis Junior College or from venturing overseas on five mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone. There he rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would teach him the language. Then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Jesus. Within six years, he led 70 people to Christ, one of whom became his wife, Rosa. I heard Robert speaking recently. I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched them lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. What a great testimony of a man who understands what it means to be alive because of his relationship with Christ, because of pursuing the mission of Christ. And church, that can be true for us as well. I want you to watch a video, and I want you to think about what this means for you in terms of the mission God has given you. Let's take a look. going to be full. It's always full. On Easter, it's always full. And it'll be the same in your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people like me, full of people who haven't been to church in a while, full of people who think they might be critiqued or analyzed or judged unfairly, full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't exactly sure how to get him back. But you know what, before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. You're going to see me this week, and I need you not to walk past me, and I need you to work through your fear because I'm working through mine, and I just just need you to invite me in.
And if I act like I'm not interested in going to church with you, still, I need you to ask me to come. I need you to help me see God. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I need you more than you know. Because look, at the end of the day, God said he loved me enough to die for me. I mean, that is the claim, right? And if he died and he didn't stay dead, your church is going to be full this Easter. Your church could be full this Easter of people just like me. Different face, different skin color, different age, sex, or social status. But make no mistake, I could be sitting right next to you. I just need you to invite me in, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And nothing complicated. And nothing driven by guilt. Just invite me in. I need you to. I really do. this morning. Father, we know that all around us are people who need to be invited in. And God, I pray that you would give us the compassion and the courage to invite them this week. Lord, I pray that this room will be filled with people, people who, who need Jesus because we all do. And Father, I pray in advance that, that next Sunday, that as we invite our friends and our neighbors and our family to come, that they would hear the truth, God, and that your Holy Spirit would draw them to a place of making a commitment to follow Christ. Father, what a privilege you've given us to carry out your mission in this world, not by ourselves, but with Christ and with each other. So, Father, we're, we're so thankful that because Jesus is alive, we can live the same kind of life he lived. God, help us to do that better. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our last song together. Mm.